I am Joel McLeod. I'm Roland Tanner. And welcome to the 905er. Mask mandates. I bet those words have evoked some emotional response from you right now. Either triumphant relief at worlds being lifted, or a sense of impending dread and defeat. There doesn't really seem to be a middle ground, does there? Well, at the beginning of the pandemic, masking seemed to be the one unanimous action we could take to keep each other safe from catching COVID-19. Then, over the course of the pandemic, the masks shifted from a sign of cooperation and humanity into one of political strife and discontent. The mask is now a symbol of wherever you sit politically in Canada. In fact, it became a shallow pretense of an argument for truckers to blockade our border crossings and bring the city of Ottawa to a halt for the month of February. It was under these circumstances that many of us in Ontario were shocked to learn that mask mandates, along with vaccine passports, would soon be a thing of the past. The Doug Ford government announced that it would be removing virtually all restrictions on COVID-19 health measures, save for long-term care homes, hospitals, and clinics in public transit. Many have cheered this on, despite the fact that the Omicron variant wave had barely ended and signs continue to point to a future wave somewhere on the horizon. It didn't matter, though, the Ontario provincial government announced they were stopping all the restrictions. Only there was one problem. The provincial government actually never enacted mask mandates. If you recall, at the beginning of the pandemic, the province passed the buck on that call to the municipalities and various public health departments around the province, which meant while Doug Ford announced the mask mandates would be lifted, all the municipalities would have to call emergency special meetings to actually do the heavy lifting of rescinding these bylaws. And that brings us to today's episode. In Halton and Hamilton, councils sat around the proverbial table and debated if they were actually ready to lift the mandates, despite many doctors and epidemiologists requesting more time to see if Omicron was actually finished with us or not. Roland and I expected a very vigorous and emotional debate on this matter from our relative counselors. However, it did not happen. Despite reservations voiced by some, the eager one-sidedness of the vote was on the record. Out of both councils in Halton and Hamilton, only three, yes, three councillors, voted to hold off lifting mandates until a later date. We were perplexed and we wanted to see why this was the case and what were the reasons for these councillors to stand apart from the crowd. So today we are speaking with two of those three councillors. Maureen Wilson is the councillor for Hamilton's Ward 1. She holds a BA in Urban Studies and Political Science and prior to being elected in 2018, was a principal at the Useful Knowledge Society, a grassroots initiative created to encourage public understanding of and participation in urban issues and city building matters. And joining her is Rory Nissan, counselor for Ward 3 in Burlington. Rory is a career foreign service officer who has represented Canada internationally since 2007. And today, both counselors Nissan and Wilson are joining us to discuss the lifting of mask mandates in the 905. Okay, well, I would like to uh, extend a warm welcome to uh, Councillor for Ward 3 in Burlington, uh, Rory uh, Nissan, and Councillor uh, for Ward 1 in Hamilton, Maureen Wilson, for taking the time from the 905er uh, podcast today to talk about uh, an issue that people think, I think, has gone away, but in many senses, it has not. It's probably going to stick around for a little bit. Uh, the issue of mask mandates. 
Um, so the reason why we had both of you on is because you seem both of you seem to be in the minority at your respective councils on your position on mask mandates uh, in Burlington and in Hamilton. Uh, Rory, I'm going to hand it off to you first. Can you may just give us a, a brief, succinct idea of why you voted. You're voting in favor of keeping uh, mask mandates in in Burlington. Yeah, thanks, Joel, and thanks for the invitation. I'm quite happy to uh, discuss the issue. And you're right, it was uh, 20 to 1. So to say I was in the minority would be an understatement, but I appreciate that. Um, and if I could put it uh, in one sentence, it would be, you know, normally we um, we remove restrictions when the epidemiological situation is improving, not deteriorating. And that was not the case at the uh, point where we were making the decision this past Saturday, and it continues to not be the case uh, now. So to me, that was counter um, to uh, our behavior over the last two years. And I couldn't find a good reason uh, why, uh, scientifically or policy-wise, uh, to uh, remove those restrictions when things were getting worse. Uh, and Councillor Wilson, I'll, I'm going to throw it over to you now to Tell us your reasons why you you voted similarly at Hamilton uh, City Council. Mm, thank you. Good morning. Pleasure to be here. Um, similarly, um, I premised my remarks by stating I, I found it to be a very difficult decision in some ways um, because I, I think um, public health units in Ontario have been wisely guided by the council of their um, chief uh, medical officers of health. And... Um, done very well not to politicize a situation which regrettably um, has uh, been politicized for the very for very wrong reasons but having said that um, the public health uh, one of the standards in which we're to be guided by is looking at public equity health equity and that's when you um, are guided by um, you lift restrictions when the conditions are most advantageous for the most vulnerable. Um, it's not personal health, it's public. Um, and we are to be guided by all the determinants that go into affecting health outcomes. That's the distinction between um, you know, personal health care uh, versus public. And that's our obligation, in my opinion. And so I looked um, and read all the information out uh, that week from the Ontario Science Table, that showed that uh, we would be going, we would be going up with the relaxation of restrictions. Um, and Dr. Peter Yunis said that was to be expected with um, closer contacts, but he was asking for a little bit more time. Um, we've been going in three month, three week intervals in the relaxation of these. Um, uh, of these devices. And he just wanted a little bit more time to see whether we would plateau or th whether there would be a steady increase. And uh, similar to, to Rory, some of those measures uh, like our, our wastewater, which are, a, a, they're not a lagging indicator. They're a leading indicator. Uh, we're telling us that we were, we were in fact going in that direction. What, what would, what would you have liked to have seen happen? Cause I'm getting the sense from both of you that you're not, you know, cheering mass, you know, that the, these are, you know, super fantastic. Let's keep them forever. But what what is the what is the, what would you have liked to have seen instead 
uh, as a public policy initiative towards the lifting of not just mask mandates, but also you know the vaccine passports, um, uh, social distancing restrictions for businesses, et cetera. What 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 in your mind would have would have eased your your mind, or maybe vote, made you vote in favor of uh, of a policy? Yeah, I could jump in there. So I think that. Um uh, masking is such a low cost to the community and entails very little uh, risk that needs to be uh, mitigated, very few effects on the community. So therefore, um, the risk of uh, taking the masks off has to be lower than the risk of keeping them on, uh, which would mean we'd have to be in a very much improved epidemiological situation um, in order for me to be comfortable uh, doing that. And there are so many knock-on effects and issues of equity as well, uh, such as for uh, people with uh, compromised immune systems, uh, people with disabilities, and we can't leave them behind either. So um, it, be, wearing a mask has carries such a low cost, and our society has gotten used to the idea. And by the way, uh, you know, Dr. Moore said we can't wear masks forever, and I would completely mm -hmm. agree with him, but actually that's a false. Uh, argument because no one is suggesting that we do that. Um, instead, the idea is, well, first of all, we don't wear masks everywhere, right? I'm not wearing a mask right now. We don't wear a mask at home. We don't wear them in the backyard. We don't wear them in the park uh, unless we want to. Uh, it was only in uh, enclosed public spaces that we were wearing them. Um, and it was to protect people. And so, um, it's a uh, it's a false notion that um, that we would wear masks forever or that we're wearing them all the time. So, you know, I just wasn't ready yet uh, based on that. Uh, let's just jump in. I mean, I mean, obviously, the, the public health aspect to this, and I'm kind of interested in, in just the, the political side to an extent. I put the same question to both of you because it may have a different answer. And that's why do you think this vote was so one-sided at, at Horton Region Council that that this doesn't seem like a, something where the public is unanimous by any stretch of the imagination. There's a clear, you know, there are people who are anti-mass, there are people who are ambivalent and just will do what they're told because that's what most people are like. And there are people who are like, we should not be taking off masks under any circumstances yet. But the council was like, whoosh, way over here in Halton and in Hamilton almost as much. Um, is there... Is, Coming to you first, uh, Councillor Wilson, uh, wh why do you think, um, I, I know that, that Mayor Eisenberger was quite outspoken that this was wrong, but then voted in favour of it anyway. Is it that you've kind of been forced into this uh, um, and it was a matter of doing what the province said or or, or bust, so to speak? Well, I think um, Mayor Eisenberg, I obviously can't speak for him, but I, I think from his remarks, and you could tell visibly, he was really grappling with it and as the, the chair of public health. And I think the difficulty is, um, and there is some irony in that the province of Ontario was being asked from uh, throughout for some uniformity, uh, some provincial presence on things like um mask mandates. And they decentralized that decision. You know, every individual hospital was responsible and every individual business and every individual not-for-profit and every individual municipality was responsible for bringing in their own, if they opted to, and that's the thing, if they opted to, their own mask mandate and those sorts of restrictions. And the rationale that was put in behind some of those decentralized public health decisions was that uh, we're a big province 
and we're um, we're not all feeling we're not all feeling the same effects of this. Um, but viruses don't recognize uh, municipal boundaries. They don't recognize um, individual hospitals or not. Um, and so then for the province to come ahead and say uniformly, this is what we're going to do. Uh, and we see in the case of Hamilton um, that our, our public health, our, our, our population health is very much affected by uh, our income. And we know that those in our most vulnerable neighborhoods, very strong neighborhoods, uh, but vulnerable in terms of their determinants of health, have been affected um, disproportionately by this virus. And so if we're going to be uh, true to that measure, uh, then we should, you know, on, we should in principle be able to reflect that those distinctions. The challenge, of course, with the mask mandate is it's, it is because we are all mobile, it is very difficult for an individual municipality to have, frankly, its, its own distinct um, mask mandate. But that's how we started out uh, from the get-go. Um, you know, Hamilton had its own distinct bylaw for masks and for physical distancing. And now that we are to have a uniform um, so that is that's the challenge, and I, I I think you're seeing councils saying, you know, it really doesn't make much sense. However, it does make sense if um, you're looking at the particulars. In my opinion, there was a there's a there's a point there's a point that you just you touched upon there, Councillor Wilson. That I want to ask both of you on this. Do you think it, going back to the beginning of this pandemic, March 2020, and the provincial government when they started bringing bringing mask mandates and public health measures? As you said, they they sent it down the chain to the public health units, and for municipalities such as Hamilton and Burlington and all the other municipalities in Ontario to have to implement these policies, these mask mandates, these these social distancing policies, uh, restrictions, etc. Um, my question to you is, both of you, is do you think this was fair for the provincial government to pass this on to you? I mean, your your Burlington's population of just shy of two hundred thousand, Hamilton's a city of five hundred thousand uh, plus. Yet you're in charge of protecting all your citizens of from a global uh, pandemic. And I'm just I'm wondering, as a, as people who had to make this decision, do you think it was fair for the provincial government to kind of pass the buck on to you uh, to do to make these choices for people, uh, Councillor uh, Nissan? I'll, I'll throw it open to you first. Yeah, thanks, Joel. I. Uh... I think that uh, where a differentiated response within the province is required, that's when we would look to uh, public health to be um, in the lead generally, uh, like our local public health units. But um, where it's where there's an obvious requirement across the province or even across across the country, um, then that's when you would expect leadership from the provincial government. You know, I have a lot of respect for the jurisdiction of the provincial government over uh, public health matters. Absolutely. Um, in this case, um, I didn't, uh, I felt that the moral um, exigency um, outweighed the duty to uh, listen to the provincial government. I, I just want to come back as well. Sorry, I'm Actually, no, I won't interrupt there. I will turn it to Councillor Wilson and let you answer Joel's question. <laughs> well, therein lies the tension of of public health measures, right? There is a it's it's it can't easily be bifurcated because um, 
population health is very different. But on on measures of a of a of a virus um, that does not respect boundaries, uh, I can only speak for myself as a board of health member, in which I think it it would have been um, advantageous rather than leave some of these decisions in particular vaccine mandates to individual entities. Um, and therefore they're depending, they're, there's no, there's, you know, they're relying on their own legal counsel. They're having um, to incur that cost expense and consideration. Uh, I think there would have been, a, there could have been an opportunity uh, for certainly provincial uh, standards on that. And I would just add that there's definitely a contradiction there where they, did not take the uh, necessary action of imposing the mask mandate when it was needed mm-hmm. and left it to us mm-hmm. because it was convenient at that point. And now that's convenient for them to be the good guys removing the mask mandate, they're more than happy to uh, be back in the driver's seat. And uh, we have no choice uh, or very limited choices. Yeah, I, that certainly struck me that we, we, we have such short memories as, as a well, as a society, as a world, really, that we forget that how this happened was, you know, I remember 30, Friday the 13th of March 2000, uh, 2020, the people stayed home. Uh, it was pretty much that day that everybody was like, okay, this is enough of this, we're staying home. It wasn't the province that did it. And then the cities, the municipalities stepped in, then eventually the province stepped in. And now we're pretending like this was all done. You know, it, it's frustrating. Anyway, that's just me adding my own comments, which I shouldn't be doing. But anyway, <laughs> but in coming back once more just to that to that vote thing, because I think I thought the Holton, Holton vote, we should emphasize it was the Holton vote, not the Burlington vote, although there was a subsequent Burlington vote too, uh, that was so one-sided. Um I think it's important we, we just explore why you think that might have been. Why why would you be? I mean, I know so many people in Halton who have very strong opinions on this. I was amazed that you were the only councillor who voted the way you did. Do you think, have any idea why that, why that might be? Yeah, good question. I mean, first of all, um, it was made clear by staff that we have uh, about 300,000 vulnerable persons uh, who, sh- who, according to the province, should continue to be masking. And that's about half of our population. And then you add all the uh, people who are around those people, and it's practically everybody. There are very few people who are not in close contact with a vulnerable person. So um, was I surprised to be alone? Maybe a little bit. Um I was not surprised to lose the vote, uh, however, and I think that's because the it would be very hard to take on the province. And we've seen the back and forth in the letters with Minister Lecce, for example, um, with the Halton, uh, is it Halton-Wentworth uh, District School Board? Yep, Hamilton-Wentworth. Yep. Um, Hamilton-Wentworth, mm-hmm. yeah. So um, we, you know, my uh, colleagues were not prepared to step out in that way. And um, I think a second aspect is that um, they also really want it to be over. They, everybody wants this to be over, which, of course, I do, and I'm sure Maureen does as well. Uh, but um, it doesn't look like it is. And um, I think there's just a little bit of wishful thinking uh, around the table, for sure. Do you think there's any kind of sense of, you know, elections on the way? Let's get this. Yeah. I mean, is is it, I mean, it seems to me there's a huge risk if you get this wrong, that that can, you know, if you're talking about decisions being made, you know, that kind of cliche, they're only doing it for the votes thing, um, that the, there's, there's a risk whichever way you go with this of ending up being very unpopular. Um, but, but do you think 
there's any of that at play in uh, in an election year? Well, the funny thing, Roland, is that I did offer a half, a bit of a halfway for people, um, a mitigation opportunity by providing uh, masks and 95 masks mm-hmm. to uh, residents um, to start with, I think, 50,000 and go up to 300,000 if, uh, if there was demand. And who knows uh, if there would have been, although there was quite a bit of demand in Burlington in 2020 for masks. Uh, it's hard to say, but um, that would have been a way for anybody who wanted to, um, uh, you know, give a gift to those who were concerned, uh, those who are vulnerable to say, look, we are doing something for you. The province has made this rule, but here's some mitigation. Here's a way that we can help protect you. And by the way, these masks are fantastic. And they're the only masks that really protect you against others. And, um, you know, um, kudos to Mayor Mead Ward for seconding that motion with me. And I didn't get a single other vote. So um, I was a little surprised by that one. Um, and it wasn't, these are not expensive. <laughs> the, I, I, I have one kind of follow up to that notion. Uh, and I think it's a question that, uh, that's on a lot of people's mind. And, uh, what and this goes to to both of you. Mm-hmm. What factor did the truck convoy protests have? Do you think in kind of the eagerness that we're seeing to lift these mask mandates? My, uh, Councillor Wilson, we'll start with you. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'll, I'll try to answer that by s- stating that no decision, uh, any level, is done in a vacuum. We're all affected by what goes on around us. But there's an interesting. Um, there's a professor down in the U.S who's, you know, has made it his life's work to look at pandemics and the politics and the decisions in and around them. And the question of when does a pandemic end, it ends um, when people decide it ends. So viruses, except for, I think, the exception of smallpox, go on forever. When a society comes to the point where they say, right, done with this, um, that's when it, 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 it ends up here. And then it ends in your actions. And I'm pointing to my brain <laughs> for those listening. Um, <laughs> but the, the issue is, is it, what is the role of um, democratically elected institutions in that? Do they, do they accelerate that? Um, certainly they have a role in trying to, um, to, to make the most informed decision as possible. So that when people, we all want this to end. We all want this to go away. We all now look back at the uh, what life was before. You know, we're the the ability to just impromptu do anything. You know, g- without having to think so much about risk and the inherent in- exhaustion sometimes that that uh, bleeds into our psyche. Um, but it is what is the role of of government in trying to uh, get to that best point, that most informed point, um, so that more of us, not less of us, so that the most vulnerable, not the most um, uh, fit, uh, when we get to that point, when we decide it's over, are best positioned um, to incur less harm. And I guess that's what we all struggle with. Um, and, you know, the truck convoy, um, that I guess you could argue indicated an exhaustion on some point, but it was, let's come on, let's be honest. It was, um, people who were, um, using this crisis to advance 
their own agenda, their own priorities, uh, engulfed in their own fragility and insecurities, baked in hate. I That's for me, uh, the pretense of any public health uh, thing informing their activities is nonsense. Councillor Nissan. Yeah, you know, um, great points, Maureen. Um, I would add that, um, you know, I didn't hear a, a single drop of sympathy for the truckers uh, among my colleagues mm-hmm. ever. Uh, not a drop um, among reasonable people, really. Um, but um, I think we shouldn't underestimate the uh, climate uh, that is created of, uh, of uh, violence and the threat of violence uh, towards political leadership. You know, every time I see uh, a, you know, what, whatever it is, uh, what, have, what have we seen, it, be it a Nazi flag or a violent uh, image of the prime minister, um, uh, I cringe. And, um, and we all get hateful uh, email as well. Uh, the mayor of Burlington has had protesters at her home, um, people protesting at the hospitals. So um, let's not kid ourselves. We can we can all say, well, that doesn't bother me. I, I don't care. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And, and I think most of us will. But there is a, a climate uh, there of uh, violence that can I think it can play into people's desires for this just to get over this and get back to being the most popular level of government and having you know, dealing uh, with uh, with overflowing garbage cans and uh, people rolling stop signs again. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. Well, no comment. The good, the good old days. It's <laughs> <laughs> a real uh, issue, by the way. That are <laughs> just to bring in a, a, a friend of mine who, who runs a business actually in Burlington uh, made a point to me, which I thought was an, an excellent point. Which was if if the municipalities had gone against the province. Uh, the general public as a rule wasn't going to understand that distinction. So as far as they were concerned, mandates were gone. Um, And then they turn up at a restaurant or a bar in Burlington and it's put your mask on. Uh, And then you've got that kind of threat of, uh, of you're you're forcing the businesses to be the referees of of what could be a a kind of angry and uh, situation. Um, Have either of you, uh, coming back to you again, uh, Councillor Wilson, um, uh, have you experienced any of those kind of pressures from from local businesses to i mean which would be completely legitimate if the local businesses are saying like we can't do this um but is that part of the pressures that you get that that the businesses like we really need these mass mandates gone i i haven't heard that explicitly i i certainly think you know I, we would we have certainly uh, heard the difficulty of small independent businesses uh, uh, throughout this, and those difficulties are real. Um, and I think uh, everyone, I would hope, I believe everyone is very sympathetic to that. Um, and I do appreciate your comments in that it, it the, uh, puts the onus again on decentralizing decision-making to independent uh, individual restaurants who have to get, in this case, restaurants who have to get into now the business of um, uh, policing, if you will. And that's not in anybody's uh, interests, particularly when you're, you know, you're already having frontline workers in this case, if you're serving or at the door who have, you know, we've all heard stories of of them being subjected to abuse throughout this. Um, And I certainly don't want to pile on to that. But at the same time, uh, masks are not lockdowns. 
it, it, it is not restricting anybody's mobility. And I guess I would argue that it's actually equalizing opportunity to socialize. You know, when you're wearing a mask, entering a, a facility or a business, you're in fact um, facilitating a, a larger group of people who, are, who actually feel more comfortable going in there until they get to the point where they're at their seat or, or whatever they're doing there. Um, and from a larger perspective, uh, there's a really interesting study out um, in The Lancet, uh, which does a very thorough review of the costs of masks or the um, the costs of non-masks to our economy and our healthcare system. And what it clearly shows is it is the most effective, low-barrier um, public health measure, bar none. I mean, not speaking individually to the vaccines, which are, um, I believe, uh, just a testament to the, um, the the wonder of science and medicine. Uh, I mean, amazing that they were able to do that in such a short period of time. It is amazing. But masks in and of themselves, they're not locked down. They're not restricting your behavior. They're not restricting your travel. It is... Um, <laughs> the thing that has hurt businesses the most has been the lockdowns. It has not been the masks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 uh, Roland, um, just to say that, um, look, we the masks were what was the on-the-ground reality. So for people to continue to do what they were already doing isn't particularly confusing uh, mm-hmm. for the majority of people who uh, shop for their groceries or do their retail shopping inside their own uh, community. So that wouldn't be so uh, hard for people to understand. In fact, that's exactly what happened in 2020 when we brought in the mask bylaw. Burlington uh, was very early in that and other municipalities uh, hadn't yet. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's always going to be haters. There's people who were complaining, have been complaining about masks to uh, grocery store workers throughout this pandemic. And they're going to complain after now. And um, they're going to say, well, why are you wearing a mask now? There's no mandate. So the harassment will continue in, in either uh, case, unfortunately. And all that we can do is try to create the best uh, public health outcome and mitigate um, that kind of harassment. As far as restaurants go, it's it's been a bit theatrical for a while now, um, where as soon as you sit down, you can take it off, right? And um, I think it's really the essential uh, places that, that need to keep their keep masks on, places you don't need to go to a restaurant to survive, but you do probably need to go to the pharmacy and quite possibly the grocery store. Not everyone has a car for curbside pickup, for example, um, and in um, public transit, which is still on for now. So speaking of confusion, okay, you still need it on public transit. You still need a hospitals, healthcare settings. You know, this is confusing always, um, but um, I give residents a lot more credit than um, maybe those who think they're going to be so easily confused. They can figure it out pretty easily. If you can figure out a vaccine uh, passport or like when I went to the gym, I had to show my membership card, my uh, my driver's license and my vaccine passport. If people can figure that out, then they can figure out based on a sign on a front door whether they need to wear a mask or not. Um, I kind of we're coming up near the end of a, a end of this episode and I, I I only had one final question for for both of you and that's kind of the next steps going forward um and, and we've had uh epidemiologists and, and scientists on the on the podcast and they've said like you know another another wave is probably coming we don't know how badly it's going to be or when it's going to arrive uh but we know something something else is going to come down the pipeline um 
we're starting to see the signs of it. We're seeing wastewater, uh, mm. uh, Councillor Nissan, you, you point out that wastewater indicators are starting to rise. Mm-hmm. We're starting to see rise in, t- in test positivity around the province. Um, should we find ourselves in wave number five, I think we're at now? Mm-hmm. Um, how, you know, what, what's your sense on, can we, can we reverse it? Can we bring back, you know, a mask mandate, the vaccine passports, the social distancing? to kind of maintain the, our healthcare system so that our hospitals aren't overrun with COVID patients. Um, you know, and are, are, you know, what, what's, how, how quickly can we, re, we, re, we reverse the tide should, uh, you know, we find ourselves back into a Omicron part two, I guess we'll call it. Uh, Councillor Wilson, I'll, I'll, throw, I'll throw it open to you first and then I'll uh, ask Councillor Nissan to, uh, to follow up. Mm-hmm. It's a good question. I, I don't know the answer to, but to use the most overused word of one of the most overused words of this um, period, I guess we all have to learn to pivot. I hate that word now, pivot. Um, <laughs> but I, I think therein lies the challenge in that part of the, um, there, there's been no benchmarks, you know, set out publicly. I don't think, uh, I, I may be wrong, Rory, you can correct me, um, in which to inform us you know, at, at what if 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 the um, if the wastewater uh, indicators if if they continue to go up, if we're then starting to see hospitalizations go up, our, <clears throat> regrettably our testing is um, less than sufficient. We don't have an indication from the province of Ontario of what constitutes an alarm. We don't have those thresholds set out for us, and nor, frankly, did we have them set out when we went to this. Um, into this period. So I'm, I'm not like, I always ask the question when I'm looking at policy, how are we going to measure success when we're evaluating something? But in this case, how are we going to measure alarm? You know, at what point? Um, if, if, you know, none of us, I, I, I don't want to speak for Rory, but none of us want us to things to get worse just to prove our point. Hey, you know, I was right. We should have been wearing masks. This has been an exhausting, expensive experience um, that has extracted so many costs that are known and unknown. I have three children. I see the cost on them and their well-being. It's not fun. It's not natural. We've missed graduations, parties, um, first-year universities, uh, which have been unusual when we should, that should be a point in their life of just, you know, gosh, grab the world. Um, and, and we're a privileged bunch in, the, in my household. Um, but I think we have a duty to, to, um, to in public health, to be mindful of the most vulnerable. And I'm not quite sure uh, what, what, <laughs> when that point will be if we continue to go up. I know Dr. Yone was saying he was expecting it to go up, Uh, but the issue is, will it plateau? And that's what uh, they'll be looking for. But what constitutes, how long does that plateau have to be? I don't know that. Uh, And so uh, we'll have to be guided again by what we have learned in the past, and we'll have to respond. Uh, Councillor Nissan, do you have uh, anything to add? Yeah, i just say... um you know, one thing we have not uh, talked about is the potential impact of long COVID, mm, um, both on an individual level and on a societal uh, and on the body politic, uh, on public health, on our hospitals in the long run. It's the great unknown. And, you know, uh, we over we over focus on hospitalization rates mm-hmm. and 
pressure on on the hospital system. That is a very emergency room driven approach to uh, to our own uh, healthcare. Um, if we want to do preventative healthcare, you don't get it in the first place, and you don't risk mm-hmm. long COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I'm not the right person to quote studies, but I worry about studies on diabetes and uh, heart disease um, and chronic fatigue. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, these are all debilitating uh, illnesses. But in in terms of you know when we would bring back the mask and and all that, what really worries me is that we may be doing a boil the frog uh, approach here, where we just get more and more used to higher case counts. Uh, higher je- death counts, higher hospitalization, ICU counts, and more people with long COVID to the point now where we're basically, our wastewater is basically where we were at the end of December when we were all freaking out. Yep. And uh, instead we are uh, all celebrating. Now it's not an identical situation, don't get me wrong. Uh, but um, you add to that risk of reinfection as well. And there's just a lot of, uh, a lot of risks ahead for getting back to normal. Hopefully we are over all these lockdowns. They were awful for all the reasons Maureen said. Um, just terrible way to live. Uh, but um, but masking, I just don't know if any government will have the guts to bring it back at this point or if they would rather keep things quiet and uh, dealing with long COVID um, is somebody else's problem and deaths are so individual and isolated. Uh, in this pandemic, that is not something you'll feel. If we had a mass casualty event every week of 20 to 30 people, we would all feel it. But uh, a few, a death here and a death there uh, doesn't uh, doesn't add up. And again, we're boiling the frog. I, I, I'm just going to sort of dive in and and um, and uh, very unfairly take the last word uh, to an extent, but. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, that point and the point that the Councillor Wilson made right back at the start that that you know, to an extent societies decide when a pandemic is over. Well, uh, society certainly, in my memory at least, decided when the pandemic started uh, because society locked down before government did, uh, before the provincial government certainly. Um, and I'm not sure if society's really been saying it's over, but government seems to be, and it's worrying. And, and I, I just want to include a mention. I know both, both of you have made already made this mention. I just want to sort of finish the episode on this note that those people, I mean, I have friends who have been locked down for two years, in effect. The only place that they may go to is a supermarket. That's mm-hmm. it. They haven't been to a restaurant. They haven't been to anywhere because they have compromised immune systems or, or, or other reasons why, why they are at risk. And the most infuriating thing for me certainly has been that we they haven't been talked about anymore by 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 the and I, I'm not po- pointing particularly at municipal government at all uh, and you didn't vote that way anyway but I'm not I, I'm talking more about the province really uh, that suddenly they don't exist anymore they don't count well that's just you know you, what can you do sort of thing and throw up your your arms in horror and uh, I find that incredibly you know. We could say it's time for a change, but you know, if there were other mitigating factors, if uh, like your suggestion, Councillor Nissan, the, the the N95 masks were, were just distributed uh, much more widely and made, you know, we made it clear that really they are the only masks worth wearing. And perhaps you know there would be ways to to bring those vulnerable people back into society, but I just don't see that happening, and and that is perhaps the most. Uh, 
difficult thing for me to accept, certainly, uh, out of this whole thing. Uh, that that was me <laughs> very unfairly picking my own thoughts into the episode, which uh, is meant to be an interview. But uh, I think maybe we should uh, wrap it up there. And I just want to thank you both very much for uh, uh, making time to speak to us today uh, on what is certainly a very important issue. And, um, well, I mean, let's hope we don't have to talk about this again. But uh, I, I fear we may at some point in the future. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you very much. That's it for this episode of the 905er. Thank you for listening. As always, you can send us your feedback, thoughts, and concerns, or ideas for future episodes to our email, info at 905er.ca. We'd love to hear from you. You can help us keep the 905er going by financially supporting us through Patreon as well as PayPal. Visit us at 905er.ca and click on the support tab. As well, links are in the show notes for your convenience. Lastly, you can find us on social media. Search for the underscore 905er on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. So long for now. See you next time. leadership show called The Boiling Point with my co-host, Dave Vale. Together, we sit down with trailblazing entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers who are driving meaningful change in our world. The show is all about exploring the lives and perspectives of leaders who are making a difference. Join us for insightful conversations that challenge the status quo, spark new ideas, and inspire you to take action. Find us on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or at BoilingPointPodcast.com.